Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Time now for the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Just letting it build up, Matt. It's going to be unbelievable. Then the lights go on, the people go wild. Yes, yes. Welcome into Balloon Party 101 ESPN. Tim McKernan with you. And no action Jackson today. Matt Rocchio and I are reunited. We're just two South Side kids living the dream in Creve Core right now. South City Dirty, and I don't think anyone's liking it. I hear sirens. Yep. I see cars. They're there, coming. Are, there are pitchforks on they're, the horizon. They're, they're coming. Uh, Matt and I worked together at uh, KFNS, I guess, just uh, five, six months ago. Yeah. And uh, he was on the board on TMA. And now look at you rising through the ranks to produce for Randy Carricker and Michelle Smallman. Hey, I, it's, it's great to be here. And obviously, you know, there's there's a there's a lot of reasons I'm here. But, uh, you know, uh, one is Mr. Tim McKernan. Oh, you're a gentleman, threw, sir. Through a name out there in a, in a meeting with uh, our good friend Tommy. And, you know, I was able to take it from there. And so obviously I these last six months have been, you know, a whirlwind, but they've been amazing and kind of stepping into a different phase of radio in my career, but also just, you know, stepping away from a just a different kind of radio into the corporate environment. It's been incredible. I've learned a lot and man, we work with just some great people. I was about to say that same thing. That's the thing. Like I didn't know, but now that I'm here, I see it. It's just not only it's professional, which is lovely, but really a great group of people. And you're right. Tommy was saying, do you know anybody? And I said, oh, Matt Rocchio. I, I hate the fact that you were kind of not going to be part of it with the Plowhawk making the return to TMA. But I said, Rocchio did a great job. He would be outstanding for it. And I gather it's going well. I look at the guest list and what you guys do from 7 to 10 on 101. And I go, wow, that's like really good. And we're down here, you know, talking about... 20 handicaps playing golf against each other. Maybe we ought to ratchet our games up. It, but we're two decades into it, and we don't really want to mess with the formula. You don't mess with the formula. Do you know how many times when I'm when I'm cutting stuff post 10 a.m. that I'm listening to the, <laughs> the TMA feed, the, the ridiculousness, the, the YouTube feed from that had just been posted 58 minutes prior? Like it's it's a thing I do on a daily basis. Because yeah. whether you listen to that show or you work on that show, you can't you can't get away from yeah, it. Yeah, it's a it's a disease, and it uh, it's it's like one of those STDs. It just doesn't unfortunately leave. And I can I can list my favorites that I have, uh, and I'll do that at 10:30. But Jackson's not here. He's vacationing. He was bragging about it on the show yesterday, making everybody listening and including uh, me uh, aware that he went to Ladue. And when he vacations, he goes to the Hamptons. And he had joked, Matt, that he was going to leave a mic drop. And honestly, probably like most of you listening, you had forgotten about that. And then right when we were about to start the show and Michelle was wrapping up her live endorsement and I'm sitting over here and you go and you played a little clip and I go, oh, my God, Jackson did leave a Rhino Shield mic drop. He really did. I haven't heard it. You have it. Let's uh, let's take a listen. He, he left a treat for the audience. Hello, friends. Action Jackson here. Just kind of recapping that game one Celtics versus Warriors. Oh, no. I'm going to be honest. At the end of the third quarter, I said, I don't know if the Celtics got this one. I kind of picked the Warriors to win that game in game one in San Francisco. But when you have the most lopsided fourth quarter in NBA Finals history, magic can happen. I mean, Al Horford knocking down six threes, Jalen Brown with 24 points. Tatum didn't have a great game, but Derek White stepped up. Huge W for the Celtics. Kind of a huge meltdown for the Warriors. That's something to keep your eye on. Uh, but we'll take a, we'll see about that. 
Uh, just really, really strong fourth quarter performance in the Celtics. The Celtics, all playoffs, have played really good with their backs against the wall, and they had their backs against the wall heading into that fourth quarter, and they stepped up big time. It was a pretty even game when you look at the rebounds. A lot of the Celtics' numbers, field goal percentage-wise, are uh, a little bit skewed because of that fourth quarter, but a really resilient performance by the Celtics to come back and win that. And uh, obviously Al Horford won't do that every game, but Jason Tatum also won't play that poorly every game. So I think the Celtics are, have shown the NBA fans as a whole that they came to play in this finals, and I can't wait for it. Have a good show, fellas. Wow. Now let me ask you something, because th- that's only the second mic drop in the six months we've been here we played. One was from a gentleman named Deke Dotem giving a Juwan Howard take, and then there was that one. I've heard a few mic drops in my day, and usually they don't, they're not as, I feel like that was a live hit from outside the building in San Francisco. I mean, there was a lot there, and then I was starting to look at my fake watch, and I go, wow, is he, is he going to carry us to the first break? Is that was that, that was that was on the longer side of a Rhino Shield mic drop? My, yeah, my... I usually try to keep them below forty seconds. Uh, he blew past that pretty expeditiously. <laughs> yes, um, but honestly, I think Jackson's Jackson's unintentional comedy <laughs> with with the NBA is my favorite thing in the world. I will maintain that the funniest thing I've ever heard on radio is when he did the <laughs> it, when he uh, listed the referees. <laughs> the referees. <laughs> that was I was holding my side on the floor <laughs> in a back production room as. I'm listening to that happen live. It is the best piece of unintentional comedy. The Blues are playing the Avalanche, and he's listing the referees for the Warriors game. I mean, he's that character that they don't write their lines for. They just go, you know what? Just improv it and see what happens. He's that guy of the show. It's so good. God bless Action Jackson. Guys, Jackson uh, still is uh, pontificating from the Hamptons. Nobody cares in caps. That's from the 314. Tim, Jackson's going to be that guy wearing a Celtics jersey at the lake all weekend. That's from Eric, and he's in the Central West End. Two minutes of live. Our lives will never get back. Thanks, Jackson. And from the 618, please press pause on the yuppie. That is from the 618. But then there was appreciation from the 608. Jackson just hit legend status. He was texting me throughout TMA this morning, and I said, hey, man, you're off. We don't listen to the show when we're off. And I don't know if we ever have, and I'm talking about me or Doug. I said, just hey, just let it, let her go. Let her enjoy your time with your friends in the in in Southampton. Uh, so uh, thank you, Jackson, for the mic drop. Uh, not a lot of response necessarily to the content of the mic drop. Just merely a lot of response to the fact that it actually just existed here on Balloon Party, even with Action Jackson out. Matt Rocchio is on the ones and twos. We do an hour of show until BK and Ferrario come in, and they're on from eleven to two with the fast lane following from two to six with Anthony. Stalter, Brad Thompson, and Jamie Rivers. I'm curious because I'm on at the exact same time as you, Randy, and Michelle. How much talking are you doing on on Carriker and Smallman? I, you know, it's kind of a pie chart. Yeah, it's what gotten, is the talking breakdown? I mean, the, the last month it's it's a completely different graph from the first four months because I was. So you've really, gotten comfortable, yes. and now you're throwing your takes around. Yes, and so I, I'd say over the last month or so, I, I'm, I'm chiming in pretty consistently. You know, at least like once. For most, you know, most of the tw- of the twelve segments we do. Look at you. Um, but you know, it, it was only about three or four. The ones where I'm reading stuff on the text line for a, a long time there. But now it's just they have Michelle and Randy just have such a good rapport. I yeah. didn't want to. I didn't want to interject too much too early when I didn't have the feel for it. Mm-hmm. But now you know I'm, I'm hitting you know almost month five here, and so I, I've gotten a little bit more comfortable with it. And so I'm starting to chime in a little bit more. Though I mean, they're just they're so damn talented. It's it's hard not. I don't want to step on anything that they're gonna do because Randy's you know, so an good. encyclopedia, yes. and Michelle is. Just 
just incredibly just likable and they have a great thing going. And I see the guest list and I'm just like, my goodness. I mean, for real, I do say that. I I say I say that just in general, whether I'm talking to my wife or I'm talking to the guys on TMA, I'm like, give them anything. It's so easy. Wainwright, and then, (laughs) you know, there's David Perron, and then they had, like, Hull when the the Avalanche series was starting up. What you do is you make sure that Randy's name would show up in the preview text on their phone. And if you're booking guests for for TMA, you'd make sure to not mention mine. So it's an an inverse thing. It's an indirect correlation. I make sure the word Randy character is in the first three words, and they're like, oh, okay. Who's this jack wagon texting me? Usually doesn't come in until <laughs> yeah, later. Use Randy's name. Yeah, exactly. Uh, guys, Rockio is much better at staying on the clock than Jackson. That's from the six three six. What's on the clock? Oh, like on the. Well, that's that. That the clock is my fault. That's not Jackson's fault. I got to be honest with you here. That's my fault because on TMA we talk for an hour straight. And then we break, but we have, we have the live reads interspersed in, inside the show content. Here, I have never done a show. The last time I had to be on a clock was doing television. I haven't done television Gosh. in 17 years. So it's just, it's a new thing. So I would imagine, so right now in your mind, you're like, okay, we probably got a break. Is that what you're thinking? Uh, it's it start, yeah, it's starting to so hit my that's brain. That's the thing. But, but, but Jackson doesn't know. You know because you're on a morning drive show that has to abide by a clock. Yeah, and, and we, you know, we, when you have a we'll bunch do of... Now, you know, you did TMA board. You know we go 90 minutes. When people try to ask me, like, what, what what's like the thing about TMA, like, Try to explain the show to me. I'm like, other than just like nitwittery, it's just like, okay, my the best way I can explain the show is the consistency that Tim would say. It's eight thirty seven. Let's close the seven <laughs> o'clock hour. Seven o'clock hour. Brought to that sponsor balloon party, so I'll weave it in here. That phrase is my favorite thing in the world. Yep, yep. Because it explains so much about what's going on. Yeah, and I also just didn't feel like we had we had too much momentum. There's just no reason to ruin it after 97 minutes of content. I actually have something here on the show, and and it was uh, triggered here today by reading in the Post Dispatch about the fact, and I was kind of surprised to see this. Honestly, did you guys discuss on uh, Character and Small this morning, Matt? That, uh, you know, Zach Thompson is going to start most likely this weekend because he got five games in four days in Chicago and uh, that he's going to be wearing number 57. Oh, I didn't know. I, 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 we knew that uh, we had a little conversation because Katie Wu had a great article in The Athletic about how the Cardinals, just the amount of arms they have is getting a little precarious with the innings they're going to have to cover oh as starters. Goodness, yeah, it's, al- so, it's already rough. And then you throw five games in four days and a doubleheader. Yeah, and so you, you get Thompson coming up. There's that question about what do the Cardinals think about a guy like Woodford, which I have no idea, and I don't think anyone really has a good read on that right now. And so, yeah, it's it, that, that came up a little bit. So what, so, so what that did in... And maybe at some point, because we're coming up on the 20th anniversary, and it's not a great anniversary, so it's 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 more of a memorial in a sense of what I would think is one of the most, and you were, you're 30 now, am I right? Yes. Uh, so you're nine, 10 years old when this happened, when Jack Buck passed away, and then five days later, Daryl Kyle passed away. And I kind of was, I don't want to say behind the scenes, because that would be misrepresenting it, but I was doing what I was doing for KMOV, and I just started doing radio, uh, literally in, in Ju- June of 2002. But I was at KMOV as well. And so I have some stories from that, and, and the reason I bring it up is uh, it's the first time a Cardinal will wear number 57 since June of 2002 when Daryl Kyle passed away in Chicago. Now, the Cardinals don't stay at that hotel any longer. 
Um, that was not a coincidence, as you might imagine. Uh, but I want to I want to tell a couple of those stories and then what transpired in that season. And for some of you, it'll be a walk down memory lane. And for some of you, uh, I think it'll maybe make you appreciate some of the things that took place with that team. And also, whether you're a Cardinal fan or not, uh, it's a testament to uh, the organization and the, the players on that team and what they dealt with that year uh, with with the passing of their teammate. And then from a Cardinal fan standpoint. Losing, you know, even though he was the voice of the Cardinals, he really was the face of the franchise. As strange as that might sound for a broadcaster to be the face of the franchise, that was Jack Buck. And it all happened in five days. It's one of the most traumatic weeks in a franchise's history. And it happened to be here in St. Louis and the 20th anniversary is coming up. So uh, we'll discuss that coming up on the other side of the break. Tim McKernan, Matt Rocchio with you. The program is called Balloon Party and this is 101 ESPN. We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back balloon party 101 ESPN Tim McKernan. Matt Rocchio is in for Action Jackson who made sure to let everybody know he's flying Spirit to Teterboro yesterday and then uh, was going to get a helicopter from Teterboro out to the Hamptons. He wanted everybody to know that and uh, the thing that really the audience was looking for uh, it was a mic drop from Jackson breaking down last night's Celtics come, uh, comeback. So so here, this is, maybe people are interested in this, maybe they're not, Matt. I don't know. Sometimes I feel like I have a feel for the audience, sometimes I don't. The TMA audience and the balloon party audience, if we had a Venn diagram, there is overlap, but there's not a whole lot of overlap. I feel like I know what the TMA audience, I'm still getting a feel for the balloon party audience. Here's the thing. What do you got? Because you've, you've been this, on both. Well, the situation you're about to talk about, it, it, it's, the third, it's, the, it's the third thing I remember chronologically in my Cardinals fandom life. Oh, wow. What Ozzie, do you got? What are your Oz, orders? Ozzie Smith, Mark McGuire, and then the five-day stretch. Those like it's it's Ozzie Smith being a th- the wizard being a big thing in 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 the, in the early nineties. It's Mark McGuire in ninety eight, and then it's that, okay. And so then yeah, it's so you're Darryl alive Kyle for that. But you're alive for like the end of Ozzie's yes, career. Yeah, so you but, can even probably remember his last season in ninety six. Yes, yes, and okay. then it's McGuire in ninety eight, and then really after that, the two thousand two in this. Yeah, the next big Cardinals memory I have is Daryl Kyle, is Jack Buck, and then Daryl. Yeah. Kyle. So so the reason for this being a topic that I wanted to get into although i don't wanting it's 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 certainly morbid and i acknowledge that uh but it's a significant moment in cardinal history and it's 20 years ago you know it'll be 20 years here in in a couple of weeks daryl kyle passed away on june 22nd 2002 uh and jack buck had passed away just five nights earlier um, I'm not af- sure what the official because the news came like right around midnight, and I'll get in. I'll get into the background of the whole thing uh, here, and you're welcome to to give your thoughts, some memories. But then what that team wound up doing, and then how the season concluded. There's a whole thing to this, uh, and the reason the news peg is is that Zach Thompson. And by the way, while we were in commercial break, the Cardinals have officially added Zach Thompson uh, along with uh, Oviedo's backup. Libertor and Cody Whitley have been optioned, uh, so that just happened here at ten seventeen this morning. So the Cardinals making moves as was expected. So Zach Thompson is going to wear number fifty seven. No one has worn number fifty seven since Daryl Kyle passed away. Daryl Kyle passed away in his hotel room in Chicago. Um, in June of 2002, the Cardinals were about to play a day game against the Cubs. So taking you back, and for those of you who are younger, you know, telling you the story, 
Jack Buck had been ill. Now, um, having a, I guess, I don't know, I'd call it a friendship. Joe might call it a rapport or just an association uh, with with Joe Buck. We've talked about this away from microphones, and we've talked about it uh, probably on podcasts, and I'm pretty sure he wrote about it in his book. And I don't know how it came up, but if I'm not mistaken, to give you context, Jack passed away in mid-June of 2002. But the last time he ever talked, the last time Joe ever heard his dad's voice was the night of the Rams-Patriots Super Bowl. So that voice had gone silent in February. That was the last time he talked. Now, he would mouth words to Joe, and Joe has told a story, a really powerful story, about the night his father passed away. Um, and I'll, 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 I'll tell the story as, as best I can. I've heard him tell it uh, to me and uh, on his podcast called Daddy Issues, which he does with Oliver Hudson, which is, I love that podcast. My goodness, if I can recommend a podcast to you, it's so good because Joe's sense of humor is on point and Oliver is a hilarious foil for him. Uh, with that all said, Joe had said goodbye to his dad the night before. Um, and he was in Barnes. That's where he was. So right off of 40 and Kings Highway. And as you can imagine, Joe's calling the games and um, he's driving by the hospital where his dad is. Well, he had said goodbye to his, his dad. And throughout the they were prepared for him to pass away that day. Well, he hasn't passed away. And so Joe continues to call the game. He goes back down from downtown from his house on 40, past Barnes, calls the game. His dad's still alive. Uh, so he's driving, and there's that exit at 40 and Kings Highway, for those of you familiar with the, the geography, if you're heading westbound on I-64, 40, whatever you call it. And you can go uh, get off on Kings Highway, and Joe is debating whether or not to exit. And he's like, you know what? I'm just, I mean, why wouldn't I? So I'm going to do it. So he does. And he goes up and he sees it as dad. And they have this exchange. Again, as I said, Jack hadn't spoken, hadn't heard his voice uh, for four plus months. And I think Joe tells the story that he said, you know, dad, it's okay. It's everything's going to be fine. You can go. And he felt, and Joe said he got the feeling that his dad was just trying to hold on. And he told him, you can go. It's fine. Everything is going to be fine. And so before Joe had even gotten to his car in the garage after leaving his dad, his dad died. It's a powerful story um, because for Joe, it's his father. For us, it's somebody that the Buck family shared with all of St. Louis and really all of the sports world. It went well beyond just the Buck family and just the St. Louis Cardinal family and the St. Louis football Cardinals for that family. And, 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 the, and the voices, uh, you know, it, it came OX from, from that, that era. So the way it, it worked for us at KMOV and the sports department with Steve Savar, Doug Vaughn, and myself, as far as the on-air people, and it was a great staff of producers, Tim Klutzarts, Troy Roberts, Mark Griffin was our editor. It was a great group of people. I loved it. Absolutely wonderful time. But you knew when this, when something like this is happening, you know that it's coming. So it's a weird thing that you're essentially preparing for someone to pass away. And so it's this weird dynamic. And 
it's I, I think I might have anchored that night on KMOV. If I'm not mistaken, it was a Tuesday night. And I'd gotten back to my place and I got a phone call. And right when I get, you know, it's a different deal. Well, getting a phone call now is probably weird. You'd get a text. And I got a phone call. And I remember saying to my girlfriend at the time, I said, oh, man, I think my hero just died. Because I knew it you know, like 11 o'clock to be getting a phone call, something. And they asked me to come back in and we went 24 hours on KMOV. And I would imagine it was the same thing on KSDK and KTVI uh, with, with the coverage. And, and so the city, as you may recall, or if you're younger, you might not recall, but this is the way that it worked. The city was in mourning. I mean, it truly was a case where the city was in mourning because with regards to Jack Buck, you know, many people probably met him, but a lot of people didn't, but they felt like they knew him. And one of the things you hear is, oh, you never want to meet your heroes, but Jack lived up to it. He exceeded it. I was so lucky that on the 4th of July in 2001, uh, I I interviewed him at his home And we were going to do the interview, if I'm not mistaken, it was either on July 2nd or July 3rd. And, you know, back in the day, didn't have a cell phone. iPhones weren't even, you know, around. And Jack had left a message on my voicemail. And I remember saving it just because I had Jack Buck's voice on my voicemail. Tim, good afternoon. How are you? Listen, I want to do the interview with you, but my Parkinson's is really acting up. And so if you don't mind, I'm going to need to delay it. And so I'm just like, I can't believe he remembered and then took the time to call. And so the next day I might've seen him at the ballpark or something like that. He, what do you have going on the 4th of July? And I'm like, yeah, whatever. I mean, whatever, you know, anything, anything you need, you need me to trim the shrubs or something like that. And he's like, come on by, we'll do an interview by the pool. So I go to his house on the 4th of July. I mean, for real, like the high point still to this date of my career is, is not only the interview, um, but then we go inside the house and, and he invites me to see some of his memorabilia. And in the basement, there are pictures of him with like the Rat Pack and you name it from Major League Baseball. And I'm like looking over in his office and he goes, Tim, come here. I'm like, oh my God, I was just summoned by Jack Buck to see something in his basement. And that interview wound up being the last one-on-one interview he did for television because four months later, three months later, he would call his last Cardinal game. He went into the hospital, as I said. Joe, um, you know, has said that, that that night of the Rams and Patriots Super Bowl, not it just happens a coincidence, has nothing to do with the game, was the last night that talked. And we played it that night as we did this 24-hour coverage. And it was overnight, and people were just in mourning. And so there is the funeral at the ballpark. There is a picture in the post, this batch of the team lined up there as the hearse goes by. And the picture of Jack Buck and, you know, his birth date and then into 2002. Um, and, and, and the franchise and the organization and the, the region and baseball, for that matter, are in mourning. And then you begin the process of moving on. And then 48 hours later, I get a phone call. And I'll tell that story coming up on the other side of the break. You're listening to Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. 
Welcome back. Balloon Party 101 ESPN. Tim McKernan with you. Matt Rocchio with you as Matt Rocchio is filling in for Action Jackson, who is on vacation today. I am uh, telling a story right now about the week that was in June of 2002. As uh, when I was reading in the Post-Dispatch this morning before coming into TMA, uh, that Zach Thompson, who was just called up by the Cardinals officially, even though we knew that it was coming, will be wearing number 57. And it is uh, the first time number 57 will be worn since June 2002. For some of you, this is a walk down memory lane. For others who are younger, uh, this might be telling you a story of that time that uh, you might have been too young to remember. Maybe you weren't even alive for but it was a significant, significant week. I feel like significant uh, is, is really not even a, a strong enough adjective for that week in Cardinal history. And then what that team wound up doing. And so uh, the previous segment I was talking about uh, the passing of Jack Buck and, um, and, and some behind the scenes, so to speak, stories, nothing that's uh, you know, violating the code. These are things that Joe Buck have talked, has talked about publicly. Uh, and, then, and then my personal experience in anchoring, uh, being one of the anchors on the coverage on, on KMOV, where I was a sports reporter and anchor in, in 2002. Um, and we left off before going to the break, Matt, with the phone call I received on Saturday. I think it would have been Saturday, early Saturday afternoon. And so my guess is, knowing my responsibilities at the time, I was getting ready to go in and anchor the 5, 6, and 10 that uh, evening on KMOV. And if I'm not mistaken, it was Scott Warman, who you see on Valley Sports Midwest, who at the time I was doing a radio show with or worked at KFNS. I, I don't recall exactly what the setup was, but Warman called me and said, there's a rumor going around that Daryl Kyle died. I go, what? I go, that's not, that's not like a, a rumor. That's like, that, what? You know, but I, I wasn't watching the, the coverage. Now, if you were watching the coverage... Somebody who was in the news this morning uh, was the spokesperson for the game and the two teams, and that's Joe Girardi. Uh, Girardi was fired this morning as the Phillies manager. Well, when that all took place in June of 2002, as you can imagine, it's a June Cardinals-Cubs game. You see the song and dance with as bad as the Cubs are. People go up there for that, man, and they they enjoy it. Well, this is a Saturday Cardinals-Cubs game, and Joe Girardi is standing on the field. And if I'm, I'm going to paraphrase here, but he said something along the lines of because of um, either a tragedy inside the Cardinal family or a significant event inside the Cardinal family, something along those lines, today's game has been postponed. And, you know, fans, there there isn't Twitter. We have to take ourselves back to the pre-social media age. Even though it's not that long ago, you don't know what's going on. And I think if I'm not mistaken, you hear some boos. You can't be mad at people they didn't know. They're expecting a game and all of a sudden they're being told there isn't a game. And then at some point, there is indeed a confirmation. And I go from thinking I'm heading downtown to heading to Lambert and I fly to Chicago. And, it, and it's confirmed that he passed away and the set of circumstances were um, that they're in the clubhouse at Wrigley. And, um, you know, I'm sure some people have, not a lot, I understand. And I haven't been in the clubhouse at Wrigley in years. I don't even know if I've been in there in the last 10 years. So I would imagine it's different. But the only way I can describe the clubhouse at Wrigley to people, the visitor's clubhouse, there's a difference between the home and the visitors. If you've seen the scene in, in Hoosiers, uh, where the reverend is getting the team ready to take the floor 
and he cites the David Goliath story. Uh, that's what the that's what the clubhouse at Wrigley looked like in 2002. It's it's unbelievable that that was a major league clubhouse. I was in Fenway's a couple of years later for the World Series, and I remember uh, some guys going, "Isn't this amazing? How small this thing?" I goes, "You guys put up with the Wrigley thing. This this looks like this is extravagant comparison." So the team, when you're in a clubhouse that small, if somebody's not there, they can't be you know somewhere else because you're all inside of this small room and it's noticeable that Daryl Kyle isn't there. And I also think Kyle was one of the guys who would get there first. Uh, And so it stood out and there became concern. And so they went to the hotel room. Eventually security broke in and he was found and he had passed away in his sleep. And so, you know, for, for those of you who are too young or for those of you who just weren't in the spot that I was lucky enough to be in. And I really do consider myself lucky enough to be covering my hometown team. Uh, I was 25 years old. Um, Daryl Kyle was to the Cardinals in 2002. Boy, I don't know who to draw a parallel to on the team. Perhaps Molina esque. I think he carried that kind of, that kind of cachet with the younger guys in, the, in this article I cited uh, on the Zach Thompson um, call up and wearing 57 Albert Pujols, you know, Albert Pujols, we're thinking of him now at this point in his life. But keep in mind, Albert Pujols didn't even have a uh, year of service time in the big leagues, you know, and when, when he met Daryl Kyle. And, and so Kyle was somebody he looked up to and Molina wasn't on the team. Um, but but Pujols is, is quoted this morning. Uh, and he says, it's tough because I think about him, how big an impact he made on my life, how much he helped me. Unfortunately, it was so short for me having DK to mentor me. The time I did spend with him, it's appreciated. He has a special place in my heart. He's somebody I respect, honor. It's somebody there to always make me better because he's believing in me. One thing he always told me, man, I'm doing this for you because I know your heart and I know you're going to do it for others. And that means a lot to me. And now I think Pujols, outside of facing left-handed hitters, has kind of taken on that role. He's doing it with a guy as big as Arenado, and you've seen him develop this rapport with the younger guys on the team. And he is doing what Daryl Kyle was for that team. Kyle, however, as far as his interaction with the media, he was full on Bull Durham. He went out of his way. I mean, it was like it was almost like a game. Like he was looking at you and smiling while he would give you the answers. Kind of like if I don't give you anything good, you won't ask me to do interviews. That was the strategy, and I respect the strategy. But inside that clubhouse, he was the guy. He was the guy. He was definitely the guy for the pitchers. And um, that, in addition to the fact that the team finds out that their teammate passed away while they're all gathered together at Wrigley. As you can imagine, I mean, if we can even try to imagine, how can we even attempt to relate? But you can imagine that is an absolutely devastating, devastating moment that can either break a team apart or bring a team together. That night I'm in Chicago, I'm anchoring my sportscast from Chicago um, and I remember seeing, I had a rapport with Steve Klein. I saw, I remember seeing Jason Isringhausen, who occasionally is listening to uh, this show and uh, will text me. And I saw them outside the hotel crossing the street. Um, I think Klein did an interview Isringhausen, uh, just was too broken up. It's not like Klein wasn't, but Klein was always just kind of that, that way he would just talk, which worked sometimes well and sometimes not so well. And they decided to play. They didn't play that game on Saturday, but they did to play the game on Sunday night. And there was no music at Wrigley. And the Cardinals just went through. I don't want to say they went through the motions uh, because that wouldn't be fair. But they played it 
And it's I th- I th- I, my guess is if you ask those guys now 20 years later who were on that team, they probably shouldn't have, but they did. And they lost neither here nor there. Uh, but there's a famous picture of Mike Matheny uh, with his hand up against the jersey they put up in the clubhouse um, or the dugout, not the clubhouse, and just with his head down. And it just spoke to the the void and the the heartache that that group of guys was experiencing. A couple of days later, there was a memorial service held at Bush Stadium, and there were guys from all over baseball, certainly a lot of Astros because he had pitched in Houston before going to Colorado and coming to St. Louis. So if I'm not mistaken, you saw Bagwell and Biggio. Uh, you saw Daryl Kyle's wife, Flynn, there. And just the emotion of it, because people respected him so much. They liked him. It was a it was a unique dynamic because publicly he wasn't the guy who he was when he was away from the cameras. And there was just a great appreciation for who he was as a leader outside of the fact that he was a great pitcher. So along the lines of this team now losing the guy they love, there's the baseball element of, oh, one of our best pitchers is now gone. And it would have been understandable if they just absolutely went into a spiral. But instead, they coincidentally, won 57 games from that point forward. Kyle's number 57, which Zach Thompson will be wearing this weekend at Wrigley Field. And not only that, but they go on a tear. They win the division, and then they're playing the defending world champions, the Diamondbacks, in the first round, and you're going up against Randy Johnson and Kurt Schilling. And guess what they do? They sweep them. Beat the hell out of them, too. It wasn't even a sweat. They swept them. And now they're up against the Giants. And the Giants have really been a thorn in the Cardinals' side in NLCSs here uh, in the 21st century. And it started in 2002. And, and at this point, you're starting to think the team is a team of destiny. When they swept the Diamondbacks, they won it in Bush Stadium. And I recall um, Pujols holding up the 57 jersey celebrating with the team. And I remember being in the clubhouse that night and they're spraying the champagne on that jersey. Really powerful scene. And I think that team at that moment was like, we just beat the defending world champions. We were underdogs. Nobody is going to stop us this year. I think the Yankees might have lost in the first round. So you're just like, this is a this thing's wide open. And they lose the first two to the Giants. They win game three and they lose game four in heartbreaking fashion. And then back to back years, Steve Klein is on the mound for a walk off base hit. And this one is in game five, a game that I think it would be fair to say Kyle's closest friend on the team, Matt Morris, started. And Morris was sick. He pitched so good. And they lost in the bottom of the ninth and the Giants went on to win and uh, and and go to the World Series. And I remember seeing the guys in the clubhouse the next day at Bush Stadium. And I recall also going in to talk to Tony LaRusso. And we just sat there, LaRusso and I, which, which is weird. I, the, the lack of self-awareness that I have at 45, can you imagine what it was at 25? Uh, that I sat there with the Cardinal manager, but we wound up talking for like, I, for him it probably felt like a week, but it had to have been about an hour. And we were just talking about the team and we weren't recording anything. We were, it was just me and him BSing. And I, and I was so heartbroken for what had happened because I knew what those guys had dealt with. 
And he was just certain that they were going to win the World Series. And they were going to do it for Daryl Kyle and for Jack Buck and for Cardinals fans who endured this love and the pain of June of 2002. And the belief was if they could just get the series back to St. Louis, they would win Game 6 and Game 7 here. And they would go to the World Series and they would win the World Series. They really felt like they were a team of destiny. And so, in the end, when it was all said and done... The Cardinals wound up winning 57 regular season games. They get to the NLCS, and they were able to overcome that which was the heartbreak of losing a team leader and a great pitcher in Daryl Kyle. And 20 years later, there are guys who Edmonds has a DK57 tattoo on him. Uh, you still see the DK57 up there in the bullpen. It's all these years later, but it's because of the guy he was as a teammate that people hold him in such great regard. The week in Cardinal history that was June 2002, and 20 years later, Zach Thompson called up, and he will be wearing number 57. Tim McKernan, Matt Rocchio with you. This is Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back. Final segment and uh, getting a lot of texts and appreciate the texts. I will read the texts uh, for those of you who just are tuning in. It's in a, been a, a retrospective kind of out of nowhere. But I was reading this column this morning about Zach Thompson coming up and reading uh, wearing number 57. And it brought me back and, and is, uh, I don't know if it's Rick Hummel or Derek Gould who wrote it. I want to attribute properly. It was uh, Derek Gould. Uh, it made me think about this time and the fact that we are coming up on 20 years of this, uh, you know, incredible, incredibly sad week, but also this incredibly talented Cardinal team that uh, overcame so much. There are, there are these elements to that season. Andy Bennis, a weird one. Uh, Andy Bennis retired in May. You remember this? He retired in May, and he was a mess. I mean, he was he was bad. If he's listening, I, I would imagine he would say, "Yes, I was terrible." And I think, in part, because the Cardinals needed somebody. And then in part because he just wanted to pay respect to Daryl Kyle, he came out of retirement and he dealt. You know, Adam Wainwright is a different guy than he was as far as a pitcher five years ago. Andy Bennis reinvented himself in a month and he began just pitching and guys just couldn't hit him. He lowered the velocity and he pitched. And if I'm not mistaken, the one game in the NLCS, the Cardinals won against the Giants in 2002. It was a Bennis start. Uh, also, uh, as some people have written in, one of the saddest elements of that thing, and it really impacted his career. Imagine he's probably in Cooperstown already if this doesn't happen. I think he's getting there anyway. And that's Scott Rowland. Uh, in game two, it was, you know, it takes me back. To, I was in, I was at what was the time was called Bank One Ballpark, the Diamondbacks Ballpark for those two games in Arizona to open up the NLDS. And you're thrilled because the Cardinals have won the first two. Uh, I believe it was, I know that Johnson started one of them too, because I remember Edmonds hitting a home run and almost hit me out there in, in right field. And I imagine Schilling started as well, but either way, I know they had won the first two, but it was a buzzkill because Roland had gotten hurt in game two. Alex Cintron was the player he ran into. Cintron ran into him, and he was out. And so Miguel Cairo became the Cardinal third baseman. If the Cardinals have Roland in 2002, maybe the team of destiny fulfills that destiny. Uh, Great show, guys. Educational and entertaining. Well done. Tim, your storytelling skills are second to none. I truly enjoy it. Thank you. That's from the 314. I'm not used to turning to this thing and 
and reading compliments, so I just am reading out of habit, just expecting amusing ones, but I appreciate it. It's very kind. Tim, do you think Thompson should wear a different number? Yeah, I, I want to make this clear. Me re- recounting this story is just more from the memories because it was such a significant time for Cardinal fans, and I happen to be you know right there for a lot of it. Uh, and that's not why I'm telling the story. This is not a, that's not it. I, I can't imagine that anybody who was a weather on that team, Daryl Kyle's uh, widow, who, uh, you know, I can't imagine. He's like, oh, I can't believe it's been 20 years. I'm sure that, you know, if anything, and Mazalek's quoted as saying, you know, he he's the kind of guy who will appreciate the responsibility that comes with that number. So that's not, that's not what I'm saying. Just seeing that 57 was coming back into circulation is what got me thinking about it. And it's going to come back into circulation in Chicago. Tim, I was at Darryl, that Daryl Kyle game that day, kept getting delayed. And from our binoculars, we could see tears in LaRusse's eyes in the dugout, walking down the street outside. The radio told us he had passed away. Because the stadium just said it was postponed. That is from the area code two one seven, and uh, and I got a text here from a gentleman I know to my phone, and he said I was at the Kyle game hosting a suite for WGN, and it was so very strange. Keep in mind that's just a year post nine eleven, and the first thought was a potential terror attack. How about that? Yeah, you got to you got to take yourself back to that. Man, that's insane. Yeah, that a game's being canceled. Yeah, you're just not in thinking Chicago, to play too. that. Yeah, you, you, know, that, sure. that, you know, in your mindset, it kind of plays the logic plays. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's something uh, that yeah, you got to take yourself back to that mindset pre-social media and less than a year removed from September 11th. If you want to go back and podcast this, uh, it's Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers podcast. And uh, Matt, I've enjoyed uh, having you in as we as we reconvene our AM radio days. This, is, this has been great. I love it. I enjoy seeing you, brother. Congratulations for everything. You are well-deserved in your success. And hey, congratulations for you guys. You guys are killing it over on HD2. And I talk about, you know, 17, was it 17 years? Of TMA, TMA? nonsense. Uh, it'll be 18 years in July. 18 years in July. Yeah. I mean, heck, took you guys long enough to get to the FM signal. <laughs> That's I'm right. Happy to have well, it's HD too. I mean, let's be honest about it. You know, it's like you're in the major leagues, but you're playing for the Pirates. You know, it happens. <laughs> hey, they, every once in a while, you, you get to sweep the Dodgers. We could. Yeah, I know. What, what in the world is that about? Uh, but we were, as you said at the outset, the group here, 101 ESPN, and across the board at Hubbard Radio has been so cool and so kind to work with. It is. Uh, it has been a great experience. So I'm thrilled to see you here as well and work with you yet again, Matt Rocchio. Thanks for filling in for Action Jackson. I'm Tim McKernan. This has been Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. You've been listening to The Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.